David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin Ant, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. So good midday to you. It's about well, it's one o'clock in the afternoon, so this is getting out late. Uh, I apologize for that. I really am trying to get uh, a good um, consistent schedule going, and it you know it's difficult. Life life happens, but you know there we are. So today is October the seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. Again, it's uh, about one o'clock uh, Central Daylight Time. God, I can't wait to, for the time change. I'm so sick of the time changing all the time. Uh, get what I did right there. Uh, sorry. Anyway, um, let's get right into vital statistics. Uh, vital statistics this morning brought to you by bitinfocharts.com as usual. I'm going to be looking around for other stuff. Um, right now, I, I kind of like the way that this is laid out. Uh, Bitcoin price is at 6603 uh, it looks like the high is Bitfinex, which is listing it at 6741 And it looks to be that the low is uh, going to be GDAX and Bitstamp. Both have it at 6445 44 somewhere around there. It just changed on me. Uh, transactions over the last 24 hours, 268934 Transactions average per hour is 11,000. Uh, the amount sent over the last 24 hours is about 900,000 BTC for about $6 million. Uh, the average sent per hour is 37,645 BTC for about a quarter million dollars. Average transaction value is, again, pretty much where it was. Um, 3.36 BTC for about 22,000 USD. Median transaction value, which I find more more um, informative, is 0.047 BTC for a total of $307. That's sort of like the rest of us that are not like all like freaking crypto rich and buying Lambos and stuff like that. So block time is uh, 9 minutes 44 seconds, right where it should be. Uh, 145 blocks over the last uh, 24 hours with six blocks per hour average. And the hash rate has dropped from yesterday by 11% uh, to 50.696 exahashes. Across the board, Ethereum's averaging $209. Bcash is $453. Litecoin is down $54. Dogecoin is also down, oh, my poor little Doge, 0.0047 USD, or below half of a cent per Doge, my poor Doge bag. Um, still, though, Dogecoin is, 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 uh, has more transactions in the last 24 hours than Bcash. Litecoin has more transactions than Bcash. Um, the average transactions per hour 
Dogecoin even beats Bcash and Litecoin stomps all over Bcash. So there you have it. Uh, across the board for hash rate, everything is down. Uh, yeah, er, er, everything is down. So um, who knows? You know, it's just it's been a weird day. It's not as much of a fun day as yesterday was, but we'll we'll do our best to to make it at least not suck. How's that? Um, so that's that's it for the vitals. Let's get into the morning roundup. So there's lots of uh, lots of stuff going on on crypto Twitter today. It's kind of a depressing day on Twitter, or it had been earlier this morning when I was uh, uh, compiling all the stuff for for the show. Um, but yeah, the, the you can kind of feel the sentiments a little low. People are getting uh, getting all over each other, and like I try to say at the end of of this podcast is you know being try to be nice to each other on crypto Twitter. Except for maybe Rubini, because you know, ugh, God with this guy. Anyway, so um, the first up in my list. Okay, well, I'll go. I'll, I'm going to go down just a little bit lower. Um, Fluffy Pony and a whole bunch of people are 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 having. They're not having. A, they're having an argument. They're not you know trashing each other, but they're having an argument about Bitcoin maximalism versus you know shitcoin minimalism versus you know people saying that bitcoin maximalists are destroying the space it, you know no 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 they're not and shitcoin <coughs> shitcoin maximalists are not destroying the space no nobody's destroying the space the space is what the space is um if you guys want to bitch about it hey man you know more power to you but uh for you know for a lot of the rest of us, I just, I don't think it's all that important right now. I think there's, I think there's bigger fish to fry and the, the bigger fish to fry is right next up in my stack <clears throat> where Ryan X, uh, Ryan X Charles, the guy that started yours.org, uh, so long ago, um, has tweeted out something that, um, he, sh- I don't know, he can do it every once his life, but he states, the priorities of Bitcoin Cash are, one, get rid of the block size limit, two, get rid of the transaction size limit, three, get rid of the script size limit, four, get rid of the transaction chain limit, five, and this is where it's messed up, get rid of every other limit. Ryan, does that mean get rid of the 21 million coin cap? Because if that ever happens, you can kiss this entire dog and pony show goodbye, get off the pot, and flush this shit right down the toilet because that's exactly where it would that's exactly where it should be. Okay, if you want to get rid of every limit on Bitcoin through this thing called Bcash. Man, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't think Ryan, Ryan X Charles knows what he's talking about. And this tweet is just, it, it just got it. The ignorance, the abs, the abject ignorance of this tweet is beyond comprehension. 
Um, I'm going to dive into it just a little bit because uh, <laughs> the, way, the way that I found this was uh, at Dieter Bob or Ayi <clears throat> Bitcoin at D-E-A-T-E-R-B-O-B. We knew it. We fucking called it, guys. Bcashers want to end the max coin supply. This is why they push the white paper down people's throats. None of these limits are outlined or specified there. And, you know, uh, he's right. He's right. Because you start getting rid of these limits, you get rid of one, how easy is it to get rid of another one? And if you get rid of that one, how much easier, how much easier is it to get rid of the next one and on down the chain? You know, this is why we, this is, this is why we have these things called ethics. You may not want to represent as a lawyer the guy that you know is freaking guilty but if you if you are his lawyer if you're like a uh, you know a court appointed lawyer you have to do your best to represent that person and if it is found that you did something that was not in the best interest of your client you will be disbarred okay ethics are painful for a reason okay first of all to be ethical doesn't certainly doesn't mean that you got to be moral, right? And morals does not necessarily mean that something is ethical. But morals aside, ethics, people, you have ethics so that the thing that is functioning can continue to function and there will be some manner of trust in it. But if you say, I'm going to skip my ethics today because I believe this person is a child rapist and I'm not going to represent him to the best of my ability or her, whatever, um, then you are being unethical. I'm sorry. That, I know that sucks. Same thing with a surgeon. Okay? It's not a surgeon's job to make the call as to who he or she is going to save or not, depending on the person that's lying on the table bleeding out in front of them. Fuck that. Okay, if you think that you're cool enough to make a call that someone's going to go to jail because you know X, Y, and Z and nobody else does and you're just going to make it happen that way because you can, then you are unethical. You are unethical. You are unethical forever, infinity, period. Okay, so this whole thing with Bcash is just, it is now just freaking bizarre. So, as soon as this thing burns up, I, the sooner it burns up, the happier I'll be. But that's that's kind of a sorry for the rant. But dude, really getting rid of all the limits, it's just going to be bad. So moving on, a tweet from a guy named Jason Kent uh, at Jason Kent underscore Kent, and that's J A S O N underscore K I N T. He had released a screenshot um, that suggests that Facebook, um, uh, let's see, that Facebook, in, okay, well, let's just read it. In June 2016, a Facebook engineering manager finally followed up on advertiser complaints dating back to early 2015, writing that, quote, somehow there was no progress on the task for a year. 
But even once it was decided to take action on the metrics, Facebook did not promptly fix its calculation or disclose that the calculation was wrong. What he's taught, what this is from, okay, this, now this is me talking again. What this is from is a a fraud lawsuit that Jason Kent somehow uh, was helped to get unsealed, unsealed so that the public would be able to read this thing. Now the deal is, is it was apparently what was going on is that the metrics for YouTube views and or uh, uh, Facebook views were, you know, well now I guess both <clears throat> now is um, were broken and false metrics were being uh, reported. So you'd go to your, how many views were done, or somebody would go like you know like the metrics were basically just wrong. Um, and since there's a whole bunch of stuff that hinges on how many views your video gets or how many views your particular post gets um, kind of just, you know, makes a lot of difference in ad revenue and whatnot. And apparently for over a year, Facebook knew about it. And even after, you know, not only did they know about it, even when they kind of got called to the carpet, they still kind of dragged their feet on doing it. So, you know, there's, there's the guy, the, the nice people over at Facebook doing us a solid, um, Next up is um, a tweet that I did uh, from a news story that's unrelated to Bitcoin, but it is kind of related to Bitcoin. Uh, Vast cosmic explosions could be flinging gold and platinum across the universe, NASA scientists reveal. All this, the only way that you get the heavier elements like gold, platinum, silver, and any like uranium and whatnot like that is when whole stars collide with each other and, and go supernova or, and I think they're calling this a, a kilonova. Uh, it's, it's a bizarre term that they're using. Um, but, you know, so the gold supply is inflating, you know, and this one of the things that, that I've been thinking about for a long, long time is like, what happens if four trillion tons of, or like, let's say four million tons of gold, no, let's say let's say a trillion tons of gold are mined from the asteroid belt, or a huge chunk of platinum comes flinging by, and we're able to capture it and, and bring it safely into Earth's orbit. What happens to the gold supply? Well, it inflates. So what happens to the price? It decreases. So this, what what I'm getting getting at here is that you know. Inflation can happen at a moment's notice, even with something like gold. Yeah, it it can happen. The only way that you're really, 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 really ever going to be able to have something that you know is not going to inflate is a set of rules that is mathematically based that do not change and has consensus. And we have that. It's called Bitcoin. So next up in the stack... Um, uh, oh, there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a row. Uh, Bitmex Research uh, said, um, "Well, there's a couple people that got pissed off at this particular release that I'm about to read." Bitmex Research is launching a new client to compete with Bitcoin Core. Today, Bitmex Research is is announcing a new client to compete with Bitcoin Core. It's called Bitcoin BitMEX Research. Since it is a soft fork of Bitcoin Core, it carries none of the risks of not being bug for bug compatible. 
bad, really bad translation there. Like Satoshi was concerned about, the BitMEX research clients all, client also doesn't change Bitcoin's consensus rules, so the consensus about contentious chain splits do not apply. Therefore, if the Bitcoin Core repository gets hijacked or deleted, the code base can still improve using the Bitcoin BitMEX research repository. Conclusion. Following the resolution of the block size war, there... <laughs> Uh, there is too much emphasis on the power of the Bitcoin Core software repository. Common questions now are, quote, who controls repository? What if they delete the Bitcoin Core GitHub? In our view, these questions may illustrate one is missing the point of Bitcoin. People tend to look for somebody who, who is in control of Bitcoin's protocol rules. Prior to and during the block size war, many thought it was the miners, large businesses, or Gavin Andreessen. One of the unexpected negative consequences of that war is that many seem to have switched their opinions to believing Bitcoin Core is in charge, an equally flawed view. The truth is, as hard as it is to appreciate, end users are ultimately in charge of Bitcoin. Uh, my take, it's just they're just copying the repository over uh, it's, it, as a backup. And, but they're going to implement it as a client. I mean, they're, they're going to compile the code and they're going to release it as a client and you'll be able to run it on your node if you want. You, won't, you don't have to go to the Bitcoin Core repository. And uh, truthfully, you know, if they start jacking around with like, like they're, if they start jacking around with shit like Bcash did, then I'm not going to be all that happy about it. But I don't, that is not the, that's not the tone that I got out of this, out of this press release. Uh, to tell you the truth, I think this is a good idea. I, I do, because Bitcoin Core is not in control. It's They're not supposed to be in control. And if you were to, I, I think that if you were to ask Greg Maxwell, hey, Greg, are you in control? Is Bitcoin Core in control of the Bitcoin client and nobody else has any right to be able to do anything to it? I think Greg Maxwell might very well just look at you and not even answer because you should know the answer. No, they are not in charge. They just happen to be the group of people that does the most work on it right now. If you're pissed off about it, either fork the damn chain, do your own shit, or go contribute to Bitcoin Core, or go contribute to BitMEX Research. You know, I, maybe BitMEX Research will be, you know, a situation where a new idea, instead of going to Bitcoin Core for a pull request, maybe goes to BitMEX Research's re repository. They research it, and the, you know, the community feels that it's probably good enough. That you never know. They might all actually call up the dudes at Bitcoin Core and say, "Hey, look, man, look, look at this particular thing," because I, I guarantee that's what's going to happen. You know, something like that's probably going to happen. It's called open. It's called open software development, and this is the way it works. So, moving on, eToro uh, put one of the guys from uh, put one of the guys from. Oh, actually, hold on for a second. Oh, okay. Never mind. That was actually just going to be a test yeah, because it was coming through my headphones when I hit it and didn't, you know, realize that no, no, I'm, I don't have my computer set up to take multiple, multiple inputs. So you can't hear it, but it's the dude from Game of Thrones um, in an advertisement for eToro. And at the end of it, he ends up uh, holding back a whole bunch of people in an elevator going hodl 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 and uh let's see was yeah uh, let's see 
Bitcoin is crashing. We have to sell. Bitcoin is a bubble. Hodl. 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 There's a whole group of people behind him. It's great. So, uh, at eToro, uh, you can, it's probably a pin tweet. Um, you know, go, go see it. It's, it's freaking great, man. Dude from, from Game of Thrones. I don't know his name because I don't watch that show, but I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people do. So that's kind of cool, man. I mean, they, they shelled out buckage for that dude to get on there to talk about Bitcoin, you know, or to shill for Bitcoin. So that's great. Um, Next up is Caitlin Long. Uh, Caitlin Long has a really good tweet storm uh, starting with number one, uh, or actually they'll start with number two because she's introducing the the tweet storm. The most significant news, maybe most important news to date on the Wall Street front was T0 blockchain's token generation event on the 12th of this month, a fully compliant hashtag STO on the public Ethereum mainnet of true preferred stock issued by an SEC registrant. Investor letter captures perfectly the true benefit of owning crypto assets. I'm not going to read this particular whole tweet storm because there's too much stuff to do, but it is in my timeline. Uh, you can go see my timeline uh, at the in the show notes. Um, there will be a link directly to my timeline, and I put Caitlin Long's uh, first tweet in there so that you can get the the entire tweet storm. And if you if you're not following Caitlin Long, Caitlin Long, do so. Okay, at C A I T L I N L O N G underscore Caitlin Long's been in the financial services industry for years. And if you want to hear one of the very best interviews that she's ever given, you got to go over and hit a, or a get to, uh, I think it's at TFTC 21. It's Marty's uh, Marty Bent's tales from the crypt podcast. A few weeks ago, he interviewed Caitlin Long and it is fascinating is absolutely fascinating. This woman is sharp as a tack and is seen. It's like she's seen. It's like she's been on battlefields. It, if you were to like, you know, instead of being, you know, in the in financial services, if you were on the beaches of Normandy, because she's seen some funky shit go down. And I mean, she's got some some really great stories, like the Dole Food case, um, moving a whole bunch of money around for uh, to change. Uh, change financial institutions with, or, or instruments through um, uh, for uh, pension plans, and it's like the amount of anyway. Go just just go. Trust me, Marty Bent's Tales from the Crypt podcast and the Caitlin Long interview more than worth it. You will learn a ton. All right, so. In other news, moving on, Coinbase, as you have probably heard by now, is listing ZRX. Um, they did that yesterday, but Stephen Stephen Dipe, D-I-E-P, had the absolute best question as a reply to the announcement to Coinbase's tweet announcement, where, wherein he says, "What is the use case of this coin?" Totally agree with you, Stephen. I completely, I completely concur. Moving on. Um, oh God, this one. I, I'm not sure what this is. Quite frankly, I, I, I don't know. It's bizarre. Um, I'm gonna go to the actual um, news story from CoinDesk. 
Uh, wallet provider blockchain is backing crypto giveaways in a big way is the headline. And this is written by Daniel Palmer. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, um, it's, it's, the links to it are in my uh, uh, tweet timeline for today, and you can get to that through the show notes and my uh, uh, link to the tweet timeline. But Daniel Palmer uh, this morning um, wrote, quote, airdrops are good for crypto users, end quote. Those are the unequivocal, wor- unequivocal words of cryptocurrency wallet and data provider blockchain in a new white paper that sets out why it believes token giveaways can be beneficial for both individuals and the crypto ecosystem while announcing a new program aimed to assist <coughs> approved projects with token distributions, quote unquote, as a force for good. Ugh. Okay. Addressing, let's move on and just so we can get a little bit more of this. Um, <clears throat> addressing the issues that newcomers face when obtaining cryptos for the first time, the paper says that making purchases through an exchange or an initial coin offering requires for one actually having the financial wherewithal to do so. Further, a buyer may be faced with regulatory issues that vary across different regions as well as risks that come from depositing funds in online platforms. Mining Crypto 2 poses difficulties for newcomers requiring technical know-how and often costly equipment. Quote, airdrops, on the other hand, provide a free and transparent way for anyone with an internet connection and a computing device to obtain crypto assets at no cost. I'm, I'm done with this paper at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm done reading, so this is the, the next is me. Obtain crypto assets at no cost. Obtain crypto assets at no cost. Let me just go back to Stephen Dipe's tweet and reiterate his question. What is the use case of this coin? If this thing, if you just get crap dumped on you at this point, at this point, especially now back in the day. Yeah. You know, I got like, I got Bcash dumped on me. And the first thing I did was sell that crap and bought more Bitcoin with it, right? If this is just going to be like helicopters flying around all day long, just dropping bags of coin on everybody that has an internet connection, I don't think those coins are going to have very much of a future. I'm sorry. That's just the way I think of things. So anyway, um, I'm gonna. <clears throat> I'm gonna save this. Oops, I'm gonna save this one for later if I can remember to do it. Um, it's uh, it's gonna be my bad joke thing. Anyway, so uh, Canada legalizes marijuana. Good job, Canada. It's about damn time. Good job, brothers. Um, we need to do that here. This is ridiculous. Uh, being thrown in jail for owning a freaking plant or it being in possession of a plant or rolling a dried piece of said plant up into a piece of paper and smoking it and sitting on your ass because you're stoned and you really don't want to go do anything but binge watch Band of Brothers or play Call of Duty. I mean, I'm just saying, come on, it's just freaking ridiculous. Plus the amount of cash tax revenue that you can make on that. You know, maybe you could, I don't know, do something like lower my property taxes because everybody wants to go smoke weed and has no problem paying a a 25% tax on it. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Um, 
Moving on. Not happy about this one either. Uh, Coindesk's um, uh, Nicholas Day. Yeah, Nicholas Day wrote an article for Coindesk. uh, Crypto exchange Binance adds compliance tools from chain chain analysis. Uh, All right, you know. So it, the the deal is is um, what okay what 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 that means, ah what that means. Binance this and this is the tweet the tweet that came out from CoinDesk with this uh, with the link to the to the uh, story says just in Binance the world's largest crypto exchange by trading volume is rolling out new software to aid detection of potentially illicit transactions. So Binance. I'm sorry, I'm, you're not helping the space. I know that your 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 hands are tied. Okay, I get it. I do. Regulators are going to regulate what they can regulate. So I guess I, I'm not really as at, at, as mad at Binance as I am kind of sounding the alarm that the more decentralized applications that can be bestowed upon this entire motley crew that is crypto Twitter and the cryptocurrency guys, uh, the faster, the better, the faster, the better, because the regulators, the only regulators going to regulate what they can regulate and what they can regulate is anything that's centralized. We all know this. But it's, I mean, I, th- they're stepping up their game. More of the, more of the centralized dominoes in the space are starting to fall. And you're going to see it go faster and faster and faster and faster because now they got their legs under them. They know how this shit works. And when I mean they, I mean governments across the world are starting to learn how to go after what they can go after because they're able to identify that which they can regulate. So the faster that we can build shit that nobody can figure out they can regulate, they either can't see it, it doesn't fit their definition, or flat out does not allow them to regulate it, the faster those things come online, the absolute better we're all going to be because this is a fungibility nightmare. Moving on to the last. Um, oh, okay. Ryan Delk at D-A-L-K. I don't know who this dude is. I've never heard of him before. Uh, But he says in this tweet, today we're announcing something fun. You can now cash out your at Omni rentals earnings into crypto, starting with XRP via Ripple's at Interledger protocol. Uh, More from TMCLE. OD3, I guess it's like Tim or uh, Tim McLeod, uh, it's Twitter, um, and then he's got a blog post. And so I didn't even know what Omni was. So when I clicked onto Omni, apparently you can rent out your shit, <laughs> not just like uh, not like your house and stuff, but like I, I don't know, like maybe a bike, uh, you know, like a I don't know a, a wagon. Uh, somebody can rent out. Like if you, I guess if you owned a. Uh, like a wood splitter, like a hydraulic wood splitter, you could rent that out and, and they'd pay you. But uh, now you can convert your cash into Ripple. Uh, no, no, Ryan. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not into it at all. So that's the end of the morning roundup. Let's move over to Marty's Ben.
Alright, let's talk about memes. So this is Marty's bent uh, for October the 17th, 2018. Issue number 341. First up, he's got at the top of his uh, bent is a uh, tweet from Michael Krieger, which is can be found at Liberty Blitz on Twitter. And Michael says, if you're afraid of a meme, you've already lost. And it's a picture of a whole set. A whole, it's like a picture of CNN, uh, five talking heads, and all five uh, talking heads' faces have been replaced with, you guessed it, the NPC face. And it's just hilarious. So, okay, so Marty starts his bit. As I'm sure some of you freaks already know, we've had a meme explode onto the scene in the last few weeks, and it has begun to, begun to drive people crazy. It is even driving the people who run my favorite app, Twitter, crazy. As you can see from the tweet above, I'm referring to the freshly prop- propagated NPC meme, meme, which depicts people as bland-faced, emotionless drones who only know how to parrot talking points about narratives that are currently being pushed in the mainstream. I understand why people are mad. I certainly want, wouldn't want to be painted with this label. Uh, it's pretty damning... It's a pretty damning critique of the individuality that the people who are being targeted perceive they possess. However, I think the reaction from the media and some tech companies has been absolutely abysmal and harmful for internet discourse. I am especially I am especially disappointed with Twitter, who banned hundreds of NPC troll accounts for innocuous, obviously sarcastic and trolly tweets like this. And he's got a a screenshot of a tweet. NPC Brennan at NPC underscore Brennan says, get out. (laughs) And and the picture of Brennan is like, yeah, obviously it's the NPC face. Get out and vote November 7th. uh, Blue Tsunami 2018. Take back the House and Senate. Then we will take their guns. Abolish ICE. Abolish uh, Second Amendment. Okay, so... (laughs) So back to what Marty's saying. I, I, I couldn't link to the tweet above because the account was banned from stringing these words together and broadcasting them out to the world. Absolutely asinine. If we have reached a point as a society where the account above must be banned for sending out a sarcastic tweet, it is official. We are the softest generation of humanity to ever breathe on this rock. It's as if critical thinking simply isn't a concept anymore. Instead of allowing people to work their way towards realizing this was a sarcastic tweet, the account must be banned to protect the idiot masses who can't tell the difference between sincerity and trolling. Think about how little respect the people in charge must have for the collective intellect if they think and react in this way. Everything must be simplified. Everyone must be protected from ridicule. This is a dangerous road we're embarking on at the moment. Here is the headline from the New York Times article from which I (coughs) copped the above screenshot. What is NPC? The pro-Trump Internet's new favorite insult. Marty continues. The fact that, that the irony of this headline was completely lost on the editorial team of the New York Times is, one, fucking hilarious, and two, a reinforcement of the whole goddamn point of the NPC meme. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Trying to paint anyone who uses this meme as pro-Trump 
shows that the mainstream is addicted to framing things in certain ways and isn't interested in having a nuanced discussion at all. They are the epitome of the NPC meme they are so afraid of, which is pretty telling if you think about it. Instead of looking inside, thinking about why these people are trying to satirize this culture of megaphoning and repeated rote talking points and rebutting the memes with logical arguments, they immediately revert to silencing the speech. They are afraid of coming to grips with the fact that they may actually be the personification of an NPC. Gasp. I've pontificated on this plenty of times and this here, in this here rag, but the lack of critical thought in this country is beginning to alarm me. Actually, it may not be the lack of critical thought that is so alarming, but the recent actions that have been taken to lessen the possibilities for critical thought. Banning people with certain lines of thought from social media. Public witch hunts fueled by emotion, demonizing people with certain, with certain lines of thinking and only framing these. Oh, sorry. And only framing these discussions in polarizing fashions is making us worse off as a society. Sack up, bitches. Instead of plugging our ears and trying to ban our problems away, we should step to the, to the plate in true Socratic fashion and thoroughly explore why these things are being satirized. Whether the satire is deserved, valid, and how this satire may be able to create a starting point from which to debate. Memes. They're changing the world by forcing people to reckon with who they've become. It's interesting to see who are the most insecure with who they are. Final thought. One time when I was like eight, I was riding my bike down my block and accidentally scratched a neighbor's car. Very small scratch. Negligible. The grown-ass man quickly ran out of his house to scream in my eight-year-old face. Needless to say, I cried pretty hard that day. Ah, damn, Marty. Sorry to hear that, bro. That sucks. Okay, so that's that's Marty's bent. Um, I have I have nothing to add to this. Um, um, I we you know we saw well actually I, I do have a little bit to add. Um, we saw you know during the run up to the 2016 elections and clearly even even all the way up until today the um, um, Pepe the Frog meme come up um yeah me you know memes are like this they're they're biological entities whether we want to think of them that way or not i mean if if you guys didn't know this it's richard dawkins back in the 70s that coined either the 70s or the early 80s that coined the term meme and um what he was saying is that ideas are like genes like the dna in our in our cells that go on to produce offspring uh, that there are certain ideas in society that will propagate themselves. Um, but like like genes, these ideas can gather up new meanings and those new meanings become blended in with the original meaning and the, uh, the, the idea now has changed form a little bit. Maybe it's to address a, a new audience, or maybe it's, or so, you know, something like that. But the the core of the meme is still there. You can see it. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, Pepe came from the pages of a comic book. Uh, a lot of people don't even know where the hell Pepe came from. I I didn't know where Pepe came from. I had to actually research where the hell that meme came from. 
And after I researched it, uh, it's actually a fascinating story. I'm not going to uh, talk about it here, but it's it's fascinating where it came from, what it was originally used for, how it be how it got propagated out of 4chan, and where it went from there. And where it went from there is was was hey, I mean, it just went haywire. And the NPC, I've seen that dude's face around for a, like a a long time, so I don't know what happened. But it's fascinating watching memes take off, and the like, the, the you know, what match got struck to turn Pepe into a, you know, that had been propagated for you know months, like a, you know a couple of years before Trump was even, you know, before we were you know anybody was worried about Trump, and that frog was still all over the place, and nobody was pissing on its grave then. But oh, some at one point or another, this match gets struck, and all of a sudden, it's blown up everywhere, and now the the, the meme has changed its vector. Right? It's in a different direction, and it has a different um, amount of force behind it. All right. So, and and it's going to happen again. Pepe the Frog is never going to die. I mean, probably is never going to die. And at one point or another, another match will you know will get struck and. Pepe the Frog will change directions again, and who knows? Maybe it'll, maybe it'll represent the progressive left next time. Shit, you never know what these things are going to do. So the NPC meme um, is is you know, in, in investigating a meme is more than going to knowyourmeme.com, people. It's actually really worthwhile, and some of the stories behind this stuff. I mean, know your meme is a good place to start, but digging in way past that and doing your own research and, and do, you know, uh, searching more stuff on Google is, is very much, very much worth it. And that's how, how I found out how, uh, Pepe got associated with the word Keck in case, uh, anybody remembers that at the very end of the 2016 election and in a few months into his, uh, presidency, uh, you, you know, Keck was all over the place and, you know, that was uh, eye-opening when I found out where that particular thing came from. So anyway, that's that's sort of my my take on what's go- what uh, Marty's saying. But, you know, he's right, dude. I mean, you know, the man's absolutely right. I, I'm going to read this, this sentence again, and then we're going to hang it up for Marty's bent. The fact that the irony of this headline was completely lost on the editorial team of the New York Times is one, fucking hilarious, and two, a reinforcement of the whole goddamn point of the NPC meme. So there we go. That was Marty's Bent for October 17th, issue number 341. I want to thank Marty Bent for allowing me to read Marty's Bent on Bitcoin and because I I love the newsletter. I want to get more newsletters on here because I know nobody really has the time to sit down and, and, and read them, but you do have time to listen to a podcast in your car and I can kind of help read you like the daily, you know, the, the, the daily what would you call it? The daily shit. <laughs> you can take your daily shit with me, David Bennett, over here at Bitcoin. And I probably shouldn't use that as a tagline. Anyway, so yeah, that was Marty's bent, and let's move on.
So let's move on to Terrible Joke Corner. Uh, today's Terrible Joke is brought to you by Stefan Molyneux at Stefan Molyneux, M-O-L-Y-N-E-U-X. Uh, and this is this this I can only assume this is his joke. I, I don't know. The restaurant refused to host Elizabeth Warren's family reunion. No reservations. Man, that's see, that's the kind of bad joke that I love. I did, dry as crap. Kind of, it's kind of a hand grenade joke. You kind of pull the pin, and throw it. That's come, that comes from another comedian. Um, you know, the, somehow or another, it, like I said before, I love bad jokes, but I don't know why. But this one, dude, this that's a good bad joke. So he ends the tweet by saying, "My daughter does not approve <clears throat> this bad this dad joke." And that made oh my god! I just realized that's probably another bad joke as it is. Let's read it a different way. My daughter does not approve this bad joke. Yeah, I think Stefan has th- has given us a double. He's given us a double, a double bad joke in one. Excellent work, Stefan. So thank you very much for uh, helping Terrible Joke Corner actually be funny for once, in my opinion. That's going to do it for me today. Uh, this is David Bennett, your host of Bitcoin And. This is episode number 16. Um, and I had a, I'm in a better mood now after doing this show than I was when I started. Um, I hope I was able to bring you some information that you weren't able to, to get on your own. Um, uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, please leave comments as to how I could be better something that I'm doing that's annoying the crap out of you. I mean, it's okay. If you can't take criticism, then you you shouldn't put yourself out there. It means you don't play baseball, you don't play football, you don't write books, you don't make movies, you don't ensure shit, don't do podcasts. So I I need the criticism. I, I you know, I'm I'm not going to like tell you to go f yourself because you told me that my microphone sucks. Hey, I, I need to know. I need to know. So the uh, parting shot for today, I just found out that Gafford Pest Control has followed me on Twitter. I feel blessed. Thank you, guys. Duders and dudettes, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Be nice to each other on crypto Twitter, please. Thank you. Goodbye. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.